And so we come to God's word, that our hearts may be open to hear what he has to say to us and to receive it with that heart to act according to his will. The lesson is taken from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Moses and the burning bush. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in e Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The reading is from Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 20. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, 
and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Well, in recent weeks, I have found a new pastime. I've been going on YouTube to watch small clips of birds feeding at bird stations. Really relaxing and uh, inspiring to watch these small creatures and their colours and behaviour. And it's inspired us to go out and uh, do a makeover of the bird feeding area in our garden. And to our delight, among many birds, goldfinches arrived recently. And it caused me in prayer to write a poem, which I offer you this morning as part of our reflection. Today I saw a goldfinch. Is it gold? Yet I could see the gold, the divine desiring through it, the joy it brought me, the gasp of air that left my lungs. For this surprise, I was left pausing, remembering. Today, I saw a goldfinch. Is it small? Yet I could see its magnification of brilliance, a portrait of colour mix, migrating land to land. For this delight, it left me pausing, remembering. Today, I saw a goldfinch. Is it meant to be here? Yet I could feel the welcome in my heart of this stranger bird searching and seeking. For this comfort, it left me pausing, remembering. I am shaped in love, in creation, in purpose. I am infused with I am. Moses, who will become a leader of people out of slavery into a land of wilderness, is interrupted in the ordinariness of his life. Just as I was interrupted in the ordinariness of my life by those beautiful gold finches. And Moses' curiosity leads him to that bush. And God, seeing the nature of Moses, calls him by name. And covenant is established as we read on in Exodus 3 to verse 14. God describes God's self as I am. No part of the universe, no part of the self beyond the knowledge and love of God. There's no place, no time, no circumstance where God is not actively present. Augustine in the fourth century in his famous confessions wrote, God is nearer to us than we are to ourselves. And this can be comforting when we're in that cry of sorrow, when we are asking the question, what is happening? Not understanding our feelings or our thoughts, 
The Song of Sorrows is the place where we are named. And as Moses waits by that bush, the generosity of God is poured out. He has seen, has heard, is concerned about the slavery of people. Somehow the experience of wilderness is being met by the covenantal relationship. God does not forget, does not forget the suffering of people, does not forget Moses, does not forget you or I or anyone. God who does not forget. Stephen Cherry, Dean of King's College, Cambridge, reminds us when we pray to God, we pray to one who is intimately present and personally powerful. And many years later, after Moses, the generosity of God is poured out again as the people are crying out for one to save them, a Messiah, someone to release them from the slavery under Roman rule. And God draws physically close through Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God, incarnate word, the one who reveals to us the depth of God's compassion. Mike Higdon writes, Jesus Christ is the hand of God reaching down into the midst of history, into the world of human beings and their plight, grasping hold of humanity to raise us to new life, a life of love and justice, God's way of loving the world, a life of love and justice, God's way of loving the world. Wilderness then is not just the place of our own sorrows. It is also the place where God's heart rests on our heart and we are moved toward injustices and particular concerns on God's heart that we may become a part of changing. Recently I was made aware of the testimony of those in modern slavery. And one particular story of Anita, now that's not her real name, to protect her identity, struck me. Anita was, grew up and, and lived in a traditional family and community in Albania. And she moved to Rome with another man. And in Rome, he began to abuse her. And as he did so, he then sold her to another man to bring her to England, who then forced her into prostitution. A woman who had come from traditional culture, trafficked and enslaved within prostitution. It's estimated that 43 million people are subject to modern slavery today, and probably just under 70% of those are women. Over the years, I have heard the stories of abuse toward children and vulnerable adults. And just recently, a BBC item raised the Amigal website, questioning whether this was now becoming a website used by groomers of children for abuse. And the perpetuation of sexist and racist practices and attitudes throughout life and in the church, sadly, leave deep wounds. 
These injustices that lead others into the cries of sorrow somehow do not feel right. I believe they are not conducive to the work of God and the life that God has promised us. Certainly not of the heart of God, a heart for love and justice, God's way of loving the world. And when we consider the earth and the climate, we're being told that the earth is warming up by three degrees. And this could have devastating effects on various species and peoples throughout the world, some of the poorest being those most affected. And I was recently watching Simon Reeves' programme, Incredible Journeys, um, episodes three and four in particular, in which he's looking at the complexities of the harm being done to the planet and to the peoples. I was struck by one particular story, the Mozambique fishermen. And they were catching and killing sharks and cutting off their fins alone to sell the fins onto middle men. And it was quite a sad picture to see this finless dead shark rolling back into the sea. But I also became mindful of the fishermen, how they were selling for not much money the fins to a middleman who probably was selling those on for much more money somewhere else. The exploitation of species, the exploitation of humanity. Somehow this doesn't feel right. We are created in the divine image of God. We are created for interdependent love and community. We are created to build life. Mirror the Trinity God, God, Jesus and Holy Spirit. Marjorie Thompson suggests that listening to the earth can indeed be a way of listening to God. And Nonna Verna Harrison wrote in her book, God's Many Splendid Image. Human power over the natural world has grown much greater over time. Through sin, we have misused this power, exploiting the earth's ecosystem for our own selfish gain instead of caring for it. Yet the power itself is rooted in the divine image that makes us human. This is why we have had the capacity to damage the environment as much as we have. Yet God has given humans the power, and so our power is inescapable. However, we are accountable to God for how we use it. We must decide how to redirect it toward good purposes, we can use it to support God's creative work by cleaning up the environment, bringing harmony to the earth and safeguarding endangered species. So the wilderness of sorrows is not just a place of the cries of our sorrows and the cries of the earth and peoples. It is also the place where God's heart leads us to repentance. That place of saying, sorry, God, for how we've harmed one another and how we have harmed the whole created order. And it's there that we meet Jesus Christ and his forgiveness. And we become a part of God's plan to recreate 
and restored. Just like Moses was invited to become a part of the plan of God to release the people from slavery, we too are invited to become a part of that restorative work. The small acts that bring great change. And we can become aware, we can listen out to our community and notice things. We can become more informed by what we watch, by what we uh, read, and by joining in organisations that are already doing concrete work to ameliorate and change these injustices. There's a couple of books to highlight, To Heal and Not to Hurt by Rosie Harper and Alan Wilson, a particular view on abuse and healing. And there is the saying yes to life by Ruth Valerio, which is the book actually we used last year at Lent. And in our Christchurch, currently there is a subgroup of the PCC that is looking at the carbon footprint. And uh, Reverend Avon Watson is chairing that group. Wilderness is indeed the place of the cries of our sorrows. It is the place of the cries of the earth and the peoples. The place where we are named by God where God does not forget the suffering, when God hears and listens to our cries. It is the invitation into repentance and receiving of forgiveness and to participate in God's plan of restoration, to do those small acts to bring large changes, to be a life of love and justice, God's way of loving the world.